Well, if you take your Bibles this morning and turn to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. And we'll take time to, to read the entire psalm. It's a short one of only 11 verses. Let's hear the word of the Lord. To the chief musician for the sons of Korah, a song upon Alamoth. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Let us pray one more time before we come to the message this morning. Our great God and heavenly Father, thank you for these words that you have written. We ask now that they would be faithfully proclaimed it will be a blessing unto our souls. In Christ's name, amen. Here to have an issue, one moment. In this psalm, the psalmist is painting a picture for us. It is a picture of Israel, or of the city of Jerusalem in the ancient world. And you see that from verse 4 where it says, There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. And when the Scripture says the city of God, it is often referring to Jerusalem, the holy city itself. And the psalm also paints a hypothetical scene that's surrounding the city of Jerusalem. And we find this in verses 2 and verses 3, where it says, Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. And what these words, or what is being painted or pictured here, is a picture of chaos and destruction that's happening all around the city. As mountains which stand as ancient landmarks on the earth which seemed to never change to the eyes of men. They're being shaken and destroyed and taken away. And the ocean, of which there is few things on this earth more powerful than, is tossing and turning. And it is just being so destructive in the midst of a storm. 
And even to this day, man struggles to control the sea. Whenever he thinks that he has it under its control, a wave can rise up as a tsunami and simply wipe away everything that man has built to hold back the ocean from the shore. And what the psalmist is doing when, he is, when he's painting that picture in verses 2 and 3, he's, he's taking it to the extreme. He's giving us an image of something that perhaps we will never see, but it covers everything that we do see. It covers everything that we can see in the world. All the troubles and trials that can come to the church or to God's people. It covers a backslidden church. It covers a persecuted church. The trials and distresses that we even find ourselves in. He's covering it all with these words. But he goes on in verse 4 where he paints this contrast where it says, There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. On the one hand, we had the raging storm and breaking of mountains as they would fall away from the land. But now, there's a river. And it flows quietly and softly by through the city of God while the waters on the outside are raging and tossing and turning. It is from this river and its streams that the city or Jerusalem would be supplied with water. And you could imagine, especially in the arid east, how precious of a commodity water was to them. The church of God today, we find ourselves in a similar situation as to what the psalmist has painted. As the people of God, we often find ourselves in similar circumstances. We can be surrounded by scenes of destruction, of chaos, and things that would shake our faith. We've even seen it on the streets of our nation these days. As men and women are rioting, tearing down old monuments that have stood for years. Old mountains are being torn down. And an ocean of wickedness is continually raging. But... I can tell you this morning that there is still a river. Though when we look out, you know, we look outside these doors, and we look out especially over the cities, and we see sin abounding. And it's not something that's just come up in the last few days. It's not that men are more wicked today than they were yesterday. They have been this way for a long time. But sin has only been uncovered in these recent days. And though this world can hurt us, and we are worried by the troubles that surround us and the battles that we even personally have to face, and our own sins seem to cling to us, there is a river, and its streams flow to us this morning. And we find where it begins, where this river flows from, in Revelation chapter 22. And in verse 1 it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. The waters that flow to us this morning, 
They come from the throne of God itself, and they come from Christ himself. And they are mingled with blood and with water from his wounded side. And this morning, Lord willing, I want to bring you to the streams of this river that branch out from it. In the midst of the hectic and wicked day that we live, it's my prayer this morning that we can come and sit by the river and see what the waters have for us. It is from this, you may be able to guess my title, is there is a river. In the first place, there is a river for cleansing. The Bible has much to say about washing in the Old Testament. If you have any sort of word search or even look up the word washing or, or cleansing in the Old Testament, it comes up again and again and again. And you can understand the reason for this very quickly, which is presented to us actually in verse 4, where it says, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. And the phrase tabernacles there, it, it means dwelling place. So when it says the tabernacles of the Most High, it is saying the place where God dwells. And if God dwells there, and it must be a clean place. It must be a place that is washed from all dirt, from all filth. And if God is to dwell with His people, there must be cleansing. And the same is true for you and for me this morning. We desire to live in the presence of God. We want Him to tabernacle among us. But... There is much in this world and in us that makes us filthy. But there is a stream that flows to you and to me this morning. And the streams of that water will make us clean. See first then that it is, this stream is by the blood. The streams that flow before you this morning, they're not dug by man. It's not a channel that he has created, and it's not just water. As we read in Revelation 22, this water flows from the Lamb. This caused me to think of John chapter 19, verse 34, where it says, this is speaking of the crucifixion of Christ, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith there came there out blood and water. This stream mingled with the blood of Christ, flows to you and it flows to me this morning. And it cannot fail to cleanse us. It cannot fail to make us clean. And we often get into trouble. And you know, when we start to try, we try to find other things to make it right for us to come into the house of the Lord, to tabernacle with the Lord this morning. We... We could try to pay for our sins. We try to wash away what we have done. We can, we can try to do things to justify ourselves. But it's not going to do. We need the blood. And it flows to us this morning. And the reason for this, secondly, is for our sins, which I have mentioned. If we feel guilty this morning for what we have done this week, 
or even the sins of the past or of today. There is, there is a river to wash us this morning. And so often, as I was saying, we, were, we, try to, we try to hold our sins on to us. And we hesitate so much when we think of the love that Christ has for us. And we sin against the love and we sin against the kindness that He has had for us. And we even think that there's a certain degree of sin or wrongdoing against Him that is with us for a certain period of time. And we have to get past whatever period of time we make up in our own minds before we're right with Him, before we can stop feeling shame, before we can stop being afraid to come into the presence of God. But it doesn't matter what you or what I have done, child of God. Christ is still willing to wash the feet of His disciples this morning. And He waits by the river. He waits there even now to cleanse us and to forgive us of our sins. And He is faithful and just to do so. And this river will never fail to wash away our guilt until we are completely clean at the last day. But there is more to this river. In the second place, this river is for healing. You need water for wounds. And you need clean water, especially for wounds. You can only imagine what kind of injuries someone would sustain in the days of the Old Testament. And even though they didn't have the medical care that you and I enjoy today, they would understand the importance of, of having clean water. They knew that much. And the scene that is painted before us in this psalm, if the world outside is raging, if chaos and destruction is happening all around, it would be easy to get hurt or to be seriously injured in the chaos. And they would need clean water in the city to properly clean and to heal the wounds that they suffered. And how all of us surely know what it is like to be hurt by this fallen world. We are not exempt from the sufferings of this life as Christians. I can't think of many things that we can look on at the world or we can look on at things that, that others suffer from and that we could say as Christians, that can never happen to us. Or we can never suffer hurt or injury in that way. A few things like that is when, when someone you love hurts you especially. And you would think as a Christian that when you're around God's people, that God's people won't fail you, but they do. We all fail one another. That's including me. This was even true of Christ. And personally, I believe the Scriptures, they teach that when, that when Judas betrayed Christ in the garden, even though Christ knew that He was going to betray Him, it was not just a... He wasn't just furious with Judas 
and, and, and just spiteful at him, it actually hurt our Savior to be betrayed. And he knew what it was to be betrayed. Or often when we have to carry a casket to a grave, when our hopes for the future are crushed, we need this healing stream. We see then in the first place that it's by God's compassion that this stream flows. In Psalm 103 it says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, for he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. So often I think that we feel bad when we struggle, when we find it difficult to, to, to take the pain that we meet with in, these, in this life, when we find it difficult to continue on when we have found ourselves hurt by the trials that we meet with in this life. And we start thinking that you know, we should be stronger. You know, we, we've, we've been through things like this before. We know what the Bible says. We know it's going to be all right, and we should be better than we are. And it really starts to, it gets to us. But then we make the mistake of thinking that the Lord thinks of us in the same way. That the Lord looks on us like some kind of harsh parent with, with exceedingly high expectations for their child. As they just, they just keep pushing them on and expecting more and more out of them. And they have no compassion and no pity when they can't, when they can't get it done. And when they can't please them. But that's not how God treats us. He wants us to grow in strength. And he brings trials into our lives to do that. But when he does, he never forgets our frame. He never forgets how weak we are. And he knows that we can't live in a place of just continual trials, of absolute, just constant struggle without any relief or without any help. And when our Father sees us struggling, He pities us more than any earthly father could ever pity their son. And that's why He brings us to these streams of His compassion that you can trace back to the river that flows from His throne. And His compassion, it flows to us in many different ways. It can come through Bible verses. I'm sure if you've been a Christian for any length of time that you have come through trials, that you've entered into struggles. And you've come to, if you have a daily reading, you've come to it and there's just been a verse there, there's been something there, and it just, it heals you. It puts your mind at ease. But it can come through prayer as well. There's been many a times that I believe we've we finished praying and you just know the Lord heard me. He knows. The trial or the temptation, it hasn't changed. But the Lord has heard me and He knows. And He has pity even for us. But the Lord's compassion can even come through very plain things. Things that we sometimes can be fearful to, to take comfort in, such as if you're struggling, going through a hard time, and a friend comes to see you, and they don't have much to say, they just come to see you and sit with you. 
That's the Lord's compassion. It might come in the shape of, of a friend, or it even might come in just earthly comforts that we find, but the Lord brought that earthly comfort. Even though we might do wrong, and we might treat them wrongly at times, it's the Lord's, and it's a gift from Him. It's one of His compassions. And He does this, or one reason for His compassions is for our joy. And we read in our text, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. And the word glad there throughout the scriptures is often translated rejoice. So what the psalmist is saying, what the Lord is saying, is that when we come to the streams of this river, they cause us to rejoice. The scars and the pain that life leaves on us, they're healed we're made to rejoice. At times, this can take some time. So often the, the, we're left with wounds that may linger. But the Lord is healing them. One of the reasons they may be made to last a bit longer is so that we can learn to stay by the river and to stay by those streams. But He is not unable to take away our pain in a moment. He is not... He's not unable to come and to heal us in a moment or an instant. But either way, whether it takes takes time, whether it's done in an instant, we will be made to rejoice by this stream. And He is the great physician. There's no wound that you have suffered that He cannot heal. You know, and Even today, you and I can get before the Lord. We can come before His presence. And we can speak with Him. We can open His Word. And we can seek that healing. And we will find it. The Lord's people, they always do. Whether carrying caskets or losing loved ones. The Lord has has healed my wounds, and He is well able to heal yours even today. This river does one last thing, at least that I will look at this morning. It's for refreshing. You know, the people of Israel, they would be all too familiar with, with working in the heat. They didn't have many of the luxuries that you and I enjoy today of, of air-conditioned vehicles and air-conditioned job sites unless you don't have A.C. in your vehicle, unless you work outside. But they had to labor in the sun. And naturally, as we all do, they would grow weary under the heat. And they had to have water to drink so that they could keep working, so that they could continue their labors. But we need more than just physical water in this world. And how... How often the scripture commands us to not grow weary in well-doing. And that's because it's easy for us to grow weary. It's easy for us to just pour ourselves into work, especially when it's the work of the Lord. To encourage ourselves, particularly on some day or in some week or on some special event or time of the year. And we can motivate ourselves to think that, you know, today's the day. And you make a push for that day. You make a push for that week. And then it comes and it goes. And none comes of it. 
and we need refreshing. We need a drink of that cold water to keep going. But there's a river for that. See, it's in the first, it's by God's grace. Similarly to the last point, where the Lord knows that we need help, that He has pity on us, and He knows that we need Him to continue on, that we need to be encouraged by Him to continue to labor. And because of that, He does not fail to encourage us. And the reason that I have called it grace here is because this this encouragement or this refreshing, it comes from God having favor towards us. Not because of anything that we have done. Not because we have earned His favor. But because it pleases Him to favor us. It pleases Him to refresh us. The Lord loves to sustain His people. When we have to continue to help somebody, when we have to continue to push something on just to keep it going, we get tired of it and we get weary. But the Lord loves to encourage His people. The Lord loves to sustain them, to lead them on, and to call them to go forward. He has never grown weary of it, not for the length of this earth. And He will not grow weary to do so today. He does this for our strength. We, can't, we really just can't go on unless the Lord encourages us or gives us a drink from that stream to keep going, to keep up our strength. I've, I've mentioned you know, getting a drink on a hot day before, and it's something that I feel is almost universal where you can go for hours at a time and you're, just, you're into your work and you're, you're just hard set on it and it gets so dry that your tongue can stick to the roof of your mouth. But you go aside and you sit in the shade and somebody brings you a cold glass of water and you take a drink of that and you're ready to go again. Well, the Lord is... The Lord will come and do the same for us. So don't be surprised if we find ourselves getting discouraged. If we find ourselves, it's hard to pick your hands up, to pick your Bible up in the morning, to just keep reading, to keep going on with God, to keep fighting against sin, to keep trying to witness to people, and to bring, bring forward the kingdom of the Lord. Because the Lord will strengthen us. We'll have water for the work. We might, maybe in a single moment, we may not have it. But there's a stream to go to. All of you own it. Most of you have it sitting on your laps this morning or holding it in your hand. The rivers that flow from this book, well, you've got to believe in it. You have to come to this word praying, Lord, help my unbelief. Give me a drink this morning. You know, it's a good thing for us to stay thirsty and work hard. That way, we don't start thinking that we can go without the water, that we can go without the streams that flow from this book. So be in it every morning. Even if it feels like you haven't gotten something out of it, well, thank the Lord for it and keep thinking about it. Sometimes it hits you later in the day. 
But I conclude, I can't tell any of you how long we will walk through this veil of tears, how long we have left on this earth. But for however long it will be, we'll find a river that flows all throughout our lives. And the devil, you know, he, he hears this sermon, same as you and I, perhaps better. And he will try to bring substitutes for this river. He'll try to bring us something in the place of it and say, oh, this will be your comfort for today. This will encourage you or help you to go on. And there might not be anything wrong with it, but there is only one river that will give us the strength to go on. And it's found by our Savior. It's found in His presence, in prayer, and in this Word. And the day is coming when we will reach the head of this river. You know, right now, how a, perhaps I should have explained this for anyone who, who is not as familiar, but you have a river and then you have streams that flow out from the river. Well, so often in these days we go from stream to stream. You know, we get to the, we get to the river, we go to the stream, and when we keep going, we keep following it up, upwards and onwards. But the day will come when we will reach the head of this river. When, when we will see the throne that it flows from. When we will see the Lamb that the blood in that river flows from. We'll see our Savior's face. And the river, it will be purest there. As pure as crystal as it is written. And then we will be home. We'll be home with the Lord. And we will be forever satisfied in His presence. Let's bow in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, thank You for this Word. Lord, thank You for Thy many streams of mercies that run to Thy people this morning. We ask as we go out from this place, Lord, get us to the river today. Lord, may we drink from those waters. Father, may, it, may we believe and know that it washes away our sins, that it will not prevent us from coming before Thy presence. May we know, Lord, that there is healing there for all the things Thy people suffer in this life. Or may we know there is refreshing there that we may go on with Thee. So help us to go on with Thee. In Jesus' name. Amen.